He's like a corporate cryptid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, friends. Do you have a taste for the unknown? Are your days plagued with thoughts of the strange and morbid? Has your thirst to know about the world's most sadistic killers ever been quenched? If not, then I'm here to help. Join me on the Nightcap Nebula podcast, where I, your humble storyteller, take you on a glorious ride into the mysterious universal abyss. Learn why your neighbor might be harboring a really horrible secret, or if that conspiracy theory you thought was false turned out to be real. Whatever your dark desire, you'll find it here. Follow me on Instagram at the Nightcap Nebula Pod for updates to the show and listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Until then, be safe and stay curious. Now, back to your program. What's up, witches? Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Jess. And welcome to True Crime, Crime Coven. <laughs> you right? You okay? A little bit flustered? <laughs> oh, so flustered. Um, yeah, oh, so just before flustered. we started recording, I was like basically having a meltdown because I just, uh, I'm not going to bore you with all the details, <laughs> plus I know you don't come here to be ranted at, um, but I just started a new job, so I'm very tired. This is my third shift in a row, but I've gone from days to night, so I've had a good sleep, Yeah. but then the only time we could record was now. And we've literally uh, got an hour to call, so we're like, Wah! well, not even an hour. Well, not even an hour and now then, after the stress, but yeah. And then my ferret decided to try and poo outside the cage. Because you know, why and not? I've been getting ready. <laughs> and then the microphone decided to act up, and then I almost had a breakdown. <laughs> but it's, but it's, okay. it's fine, you're here now, and you it's can just so sit fine. back and listen to ghost stories. So, sounds lit. Sounds but we hope um, you enjoyed the first episode of 2024. Yeah, Happy New Year, um, officially. We, we It wasn't year. the New Year when we recorded the other one, but it is now. Um, hope, yes, um, hope you had lovely Christmases. If you didn't or you don't celebrate, hope you just had a lovely time. Um, and with that, due to time restraints, <laughs> <laughs> should we get Shall on with we, the uh, first story? Let, yeah, let's, let's do this. Crack on. <laughs> Okay, so our first story this week comes from Chris. So thank you, Chris. Chris with a K. So Ooh. Chris, I'm assuming it's Chris Jenner. <laughs> uh, no comment. No, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a slight trigger warning with this story. Really, really briefly mentioned, but it does mention death, possibility of suicide, drug misuse and toxic and abusive relationships. Hello, Claudia, Jess, and Orla. So I have a ghostly story that I've been debating in my head whether to send in or not. And this morning, it was clear to me that I definitely should. Growing up, I had two older brothers who I always tagged along with to go places to play. One of those places was my brother's best friend, Andy's. Although he was a few years my senior, everyone always called us childhood sweethearts. However, he was sick. He had cystic fibrosis and was told that he would only live till about 18. Fast forward to when I was 15, him being 19, we spent the entire summer together doing all the things, if you know what I mean. At summer's end, he cuddled up to me, kissed me on the cheek and told me he thought we should break up. I was shocked. 
I never knew we were anything official, just thought it was an overly friendly summer, to which he laughed and I said it made it much easier and we remained just friends. We would party and he would try and hook up with my other friends and he was there the night that I met my first husband. Years had gone by, I had a child, got married and separated. I was now 19 and he was 23. I had my own place. He had taken a turn for the worse, turned to drugs and tried to self-medicate, but got in too deep. We began to talk on the phone every night when he told me that he only had six months to live. He was getting disability, but was using all the money to battle the side effects of coming off drugs. He was so upset that he couldn't give his grandma any money because that's who he was living with at the time. We talked about him getting better, what we could have done, our regrets, him coming to live with me, our love and friendship was beyond measure. I told him that he could get on a hospice list. he have drugs available to him through that. And he'd be able to give the extra money to his grandma. He got on a hospice list and I went to see him. His grandma always loved me and begged me every time to marry Andy or his younger brother Damien, who is a complete ass. So that was never going to happen. She cried open in the door. He was playing a zombie video game and we talked. He'd lost so much weight. He was withering away. I knew his time was close. He told me he'd wished we'd married and had children instead of the past we'd taken. And I agreed. He told me that he had to wear a diaper and have a home health nurse come every hour to change him and bathe him and tend to his needs. We chatted and he nodded in and out of sleep. After a few hours, I left. We talked from September until February. My brother knew that he was close to passing, so my brother stayed with him and he never really knew how close we were because I'd never told him. At the end of February, I reconciled with my husband and on February 28th, I moved back in with him. On the 12th of March, 2012, my brother called me. Andy had asked him to go to the market to get him his favourite lollipops. A chocolate Tootsie Roll pop. Also, my favourite. On the way back, my brother felt something was wrong and upon returning, while he was gone, Andy had passed in his mum's arms. My brother, who was also suffering addiction at the time, had mentioned Andy had an empty bottle of liquid morphine but doesn't know what happened to it because it was empty. I've never told anyone, but I've always felt like he drank that entire bottle knowing he would overdose and pass and no one would try and bring him back because he was already dying. I believe this is because he had found out that I'd got back with my husband and it caused his heart to break. I attended his funeral, took his grandma flowers and stood at his graveside. My brother gave me a ring and he said that Andy told him to give it to me. Two years later, I was in a toxic relationship and the ring was thrown in my face that I had a ring from an ex, so I asked my brother to hold on to it. Five years ago, I ended that relationship. My brother gave me back the ring, and that's when things started to happen. I had a new apartment, brand new furniture and furnishings, but my lights would always flicker. I thought maybe it was just a wreck or something that rattled in the electric lines, always explaining it in the back of my mind. The area I lived in, did have wrecks in that so if a telephone pole would hit we would lose electricity but when that happened everything went off and not just the lights flickering two years later I met and moved in with my current husband I brought along my furniture and furnishings as he'd gotten out of a bad relationship himself she took everything so I provided the furniture we were now living on the other side of the county which is about a 40 minute drive away 
One night, I was folding clothes. My husband was at work and the kids were playing in their rooms when all the lamps started flickering. I had just ordered new light bulbs. Again, explained to myself that bulbs must be getting old. New bulbs still flicker. Usually, no one else was around when this would happen. I spoke to my mum about it and she said maybe it's someone trying to reach me from the other side. When this would happen, I'd close my eyes, take a deep breath and say hello. There have only been two people in my life who I've been close with when they've passed. My uncle when I was 12 and Andy. I was working a new job at a maximum security prison and a few times the lights went out and we were in complete darkness. But the backup generators would kick on and within 10 seconds the light would be on. I distinctly remember another officer saying they've never recalled having this many outages until I started. With all the lights at home still on the fritz, even with new bulbs, my husband and I decided to buy all new furniture and furnishings along with replacing the floor, ceiling fans and painting the walls. Once we put everything together, after a few days, the end lamp started flickering again. The ones that I had in my original apartment I had given to my mum. We bought new bulbs, new lamps, so it didn't make any sense. I then quit working at the prison and started working in the kitchen at a local restaurant. While working at my station, the lights above me started flickering. I asked the maintenance man and he said it was almost impossible for them to two reasons. One being I have an attachment or my spiritual powers being so strong that they cause interference. As much as I'd love to feel like I have extreme powers, I think it's more likely to be an attachment. But I am skeptical. I told my work friend Zoe about it, as she claims to see dead people. Zoe said she sees a young boy, maybe about 10, but she doesn't know if he was there for me or someone else. One time working at the restaurant, I walked into the refrigerators at the back and the lights started flickering. I asked my boss if that was normal and he said he'd never seen it happen. In April 2023, my mum told me about a metaphysical fair and I asked Zoe if she wanted to go with me. The fair was quite expensive, so Zoe agreed to meet a medium with me. The medium told her that me being there might interfere if there was someone wanting to reach me. Zoe and I locked eyes and I knew I might get my answer. But this was supposed to be about Zoe, not about me. So I waited outside and made small talk with another psychic there. I did an astrology reading, which was extremely useless, as I already knew everything she told me. We stopped at a booth. We were looking through some tumblers and I heard an extremely high pitch in my ear to the point where I gasped, clenched my ears and fell to the ground. This lasted about 20 seconds. And when I opened my eye, the retailer and Zoe were staring at me. I asked if they'd heard anything and both said no. Zoe was 18 at the time and I was 31. So it couldn't have been a high frequency noise that only young people can hear as she would have definitely heard it. The lady told me maybe someone was trying to reach me from the other side. Later on in the year at a doctor's appointment over the summer, my doctor asked me about my hearing. I told her what happened when I went to see the medium and she asked if I've ever had anything happen like this before. I told her not that loud, but as a kid, I could always hear a high-pitched noise and they would follow me until I turned the television on and then the noise would stop. So living in a world with a lot more technology, I could always explain away that it was probably a phone or something that I was hearing in the background. But yes, I would get a high-pitched frequency noises now and again. 
she told me this is called tinnitus and sent me for a hearing exam and referred me to an ENT doctor. I passed the hearing test and have my ENT appointment later this month. I still have the lights flickering around me and now and again I get ringing in my ears. Making breakfast this morning with my daughter in the kitchen and all my kitchen lights started flickering. My daughter asked why and I told her it's probably the wind or something and that's turning the lights off. Medically, still trying to have those phenomenons explained but having no luck. It almost seems like when I got the ring back from my brother, it all started. Or maybe that's just when I started losing my mind. Please feel free to ask for any more information. Love your podcast. And my daughter loves to sit in on the ghost stories. Chris. Oh, thank you for um, saying that you love the podcast, Chris. Yeah, and hi to you. your daughter. She does put her daughter's name, but I think I'll keep that just in yeah. case. Mm. But hi. And you do get a shout out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, first of all, I wanted to say, like, I'm really sorry um, for your loss of both your uncle, who you mentioned briefly, yeah. and then, of course, um, Andy. Yeah. I know that was a long um, one, but I wanted to get in all the information about Andy, otherwise it doesn't really make oh, sense. Of course. Yeah. And it sounds like you and Andy did have a really close connection. It sounds like, whilst I think, you know, people would be like, oh, well, you weren't, like, you weren't... I think, like, while some people would sort of disregard it because... He went on to obviously sleep with lots of other people. I think he was trying to fit a whole life into quite a short time. Yeah, like. I mean, like if you get told you're only going to live till eighteen, yeah, it you're going like to make the most. Definitely of it. trying to make a a big long life. Sadly, last you know a quarter of the time that yeah. lives can. Um, and cystic fibrosis is obviously really, really horrible disease. I don't know how familiar people would be with it, but it's a lung condition and. Yeah. Yeah, like prognosis, um, life expectancy is in the 20s now, though obviously that improves every year. Um, But it does sound like you guys had a really big connection and were still kind of like the loves of each other's lives. And it sounds really nice that you kind of let him, not let him, but you were very happy for him to go ahead and experience life because I can imagine a lot of people being quite hurt and angry about that. But it seems like you really understood. In fact, you were, sounds like you were the person who he probably needed. Um, but I would say, yeah, it sounds like Andy's around you. And if he is this 10-year-old boy manifestation, perhaps that's because that's the time he felt most healthy in his life. Yeah, maybe. And it sounds like, obviously, he struggled later on in life with addiction and um, everything that went on. And perhaps when he was 10, he felt his most healthy, but he also felt his most mentally happy and healthy so he sort of manifests as his best self if that makes sense yeah that does Um, make sense well it makes sense to me but yeah and i think it sounds like yeah he probably is around and i'm also really glad that you're no longer in that toxic relationship yeah definitely and you know to throw it in your face that you've got a ring of an ex-lover like okay but the person's dead as well like even yeah if it's not like it, yeah it's not like someone you see like every week to, yeah yeah they're not a threat to the relationship i mean i've got my my friend ryan's name tattooed on my hand and someone said to me like oh is your boyfriend okay with that and i'm like well it's not like he's any competition sadly um yeah so yeah but um thank you so much for sending your story in yeah thank you
That was a good one. Um, I love a I love a long story. Like I love all the background same. to it as well. So thank you, thank you so much for that. Chris. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> cool. Right, cryptid filling. Cryptid filling. Are you ready bum, for bum, the cryptid? Do 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 do. So today we are gonna touch on the subject of the smiling man. Have you ever Ooh, heard okay. of the smiling man? Um, I've heard of men telling me to smile, um. <laughs> <laughs> but never do what a man says. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> so anything, I frown harder. I start crying. <laughs> do the opposite of smile. Um, so I mean, I think it's pretty obvious where he gets his name from, but weirdly, there are a few discrepancies in his appearance. So. Basically, the I'm going to start with how he looks because I feel yeah. like from the description of The Smiling Man, you can guess it. So most of the time he is described as wearing a green suit. Sometimes this is a blue suit. Um, occasionally has been described as having no ears or nose. But whereas some people are describing him as looking like a totally normal man. However, every single report says that he is roughly six foot tall. He has a dark complexion, slicked back black hair, which is a bit of a tongue twister. Um, yep, say that ten times. Yeah. And then, obviously, the big um, feature, he has a cartoonishly big, creepy, sinister smile. Yeah, I mean, I'm not loving the description, to be honest. No. It's very reminiscent to me of um, one of the episodes of Buffy, and I can't remember what the characters are called, but there's like sort of smiling men that go around and they float everywhere. Oh, do you and, know what? Uh, that sounds like that might be based on this cryptid okay. or this cryptid's based. Well, mm. we just need to get Sarah Michelle Gellar then on the case. Really. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um <laughs> Other characters, he is also thought to be the inspiration for, if you're still having a hard time picturing him, is the Joker. Mm. Um, it also said SCP-106, but I have no idea what this is. And I like Googled it and it's some kind of like weird game. And I was like... Oh, okay. So some people might get that reference, but I personally didn't. I am not a gamer. And I could not be bothered to do... A deep dive into what it is. So, if you get that reference, maybe you can explain it to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, as well as his appearance, people have described him as, and I'm going to put this in massive quotation marks, looking insane. Okay. Just yeah. because I was like, I don't feel that's like a real PC phrase yeah i um, don't i don't love the turn of phrase but i think we all understand what is meant yeah um but then i also put that is is he insane or is he what the human race defines as insane um because it is thought that he is an alien entity so yeah. is this normal for him that his um race looks like that Whereas we think it's a bit sinister, insane, creepy. So there are many conspiracy theories around him that try and link him to like the men in black. And there was something that went 
again, I didn't want to do a deep dive, but it was like linked to someone called Valiant Thor, who is apparently an alien who spent three years at the Pentagon, who like came to make the world a better place. Maybe we'll do an episode on him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he does stuff like helps with elections and the economy. And I was like, okay, whatever. He's like a corporate cryptid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first sighting of the Smiling Man was on the 16th of October 1966. And it was two young boys whose nicknames were Mouse and Jimmy. Don't know their real names. Um, but they were walking together on 4th Street in Elizabeth, New Jersey, when they saw a strange man standing on the other side of a fence. They were walking towards this man, and as they approached him, they suddenly became overwhelmed with a sense of fear. The man was looking directly at them and smiling, but his mouth was uncharacteristically large. So they began running. The man followed them from behind the fence, and eventually they got away and ran to tell the police. As the time went on, the boys were unable to recall specific details about the event, which is where I think the he has no ears and nose came from. Because I think if you see a creepy smile, and that's the main feature, and you're two young boys, it's probably what you're going to remember. Yeah. And someone's like, what did their nose look like? You're going to be like, I don't know, he didn't have a nose. Um, but weirdly, around the same time as this report, there was also reports of sightings of UFOs and flashing lights in the area. Okay. So, Though I do feel like it was that sort of time, wasn't it? Oh, Definitely. Um, so yeah, that was the first sighting of him. The second sighting came very soon after. So the first sighting was... Um, oops, got too far. The 16th of October. The second sighting was on the 2nd of November, same year, 1966, in Parkersburg, West Virginia. It was a salesman named Woodrow Derenberger... He was driving home from a normal day at work along Interstate 77 when he heard a crash. An unidentifiable vehicle appeared in front of his truck, which he described as looking like an old-fashioned kerosene lamp, which yeah. is those ones, those ones. I know this isn't very good for a podcast, but bulge at the bottom and yeah. then thin at the top. The smiling man, or as Woodrow described him, the grinning man, came out of the vehicle and walked over to his truck and asked him to wind down the window for a chat. However, when he started speaking, his lips weren't moving. His mouth was still fixed in a smile and he was speaking to Woodrow telepathically. He informed Woodrow that his name was Indrid Cold and he meant him no harm and he shouldn't be frightened. He explained that he was here to learn more about the human race and that Woodrow would be seeing him again very soon. I've definitely heard of this, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Woodrow is quite famous in yeah, this case. Yeah, and I've heard case. of Indrid as well. Yeah. So obviously Woodrow went home, rang the police, told them what he'd seen, but they didn't believe him. However, the news outlets absolutely loved the story. Um, as, you, as you can imagine. As you can imagine, yeah. Um so apparently loads more people came forward saying that they'd also seen flashing lights and fluttering vehicles in the same area and at the same time as Woodrow's ports. And one person actually came forward saying they did see Woodrow in his car stopped chatting to someone. 
So they so didn't. Was, something happened. At yeah. Least. So they didn't confirm that it was Indrid Cold slash the Smiling Man, um, but but then there was a sighting. Quickly, yeah, and like how much are you going to look at the two people talking? Yeah, you're like just if you got if one person's got to have a back to you, maybe. Yeah, if you're just glancing as well. Um, so apparently he did then go back and visit Woodrow, and Woodrow's wife said that. Indrid Cold did visit their house. Um, so Woodrow actually claimed to know Indrid Cold quite well. And a lot of the facts we have on The Smiling Man do come from him. So okay. he said that Indrid Cold told him that he comes from a planet named Lanulos in the mm. Gene Medes galaxy. I don't know if that's yeah, how it's you know pronounced. But sorry. Um... And apparently there were also two other grinning men named Demo Hassan and Carl Ardo. Okay. Sorry if that's pronounced wrong, but I mean, you're, you're an alien, so. so <laughs> Don't get them on us, Jess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he he's where, like, the whole alien entity, there's multiple grinning men, they've come to Earth just to learn more about us, kind of help us which is where i think this pentagon character comes from um okay and it's also some people do think that they are kind of like the equivalent of humans but from their galaxy um like have evolved slightly different to us um so yeah that is woodrow's encounter unfortunately i think woodrow did write a book um but unfortunately he did like it did kind of consume his life he ended up being severely harassed because of this um yeah you can imagine yeah he's got lots of questions it must have been a lot for his wife hence the divorce yeah and like yeah it's it's, it's gonna consume you a little bit yeah Um, but if anything i feel like that adds a bit of a layer as to why it's probably not something he made up because Oh yeah, like he stuck to his guns. Yeah, and it's not like it made him rich and famous. Like if anything, it made him depressed and harassed and And basically ruined his life almost. So which I do people you see who talk about aliens and stuff like people say, oh they do it for attention, but actually a lot of people it ends up completely like ridiculing like they end up being ridiculed it yeah ends up completely like ruining their lives like yeah he got attention but it wasn't necessarily good attention so for yeah, him to keep it going for as long as he did then yeah there's got to be a bit of truth to it um strangely though during the same time period didn't have a specific date but apparently it was around the same time so you're thinking 1966 ish there was a family called the Lily family who were having issues with a poltergeist. The daughter of the family, Linda Lily, reported that one night she woke up to a man standing over her bed staring at her. She described him as a big, broad man. She couldn't see his face, but he was grinning. And she screamed and hid under her covers. When she looked, he was gone. Um, so that report... I kind of hope it was a smiling man and not just a random smiling man yeah but that also kind of reminds me of um the man in the hat the hat man the hat yeah, man I mean, like the, the shadow thing. people that we've 
already covered. Yeah, but imagine if this isn't paranormal, Jess. That's actually kind of worse. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like... So, uh, you know... Yeah, if it's a weird man in her house. Staring at you. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Really creepy. Um, So it is thought that that's linked, but it's not a definite, like, oh, that was the smiling man. But I think just because it came out about the same time, she said he was grinning at her. They were already having issues with poltergeist activities. There was obviously something in their house. Um... Didn't say if they were close, like in location, but hey But hey. presumably if they're an alien and they've travelled how far, <laughs> yeah, they, they can, can travel a little bit further. <laughs> yeah, they can nip from one side of America to the other in a day. <laughs> um, another person who is said to have an encounter with Indrid Cold is John Keel, who you might recognise from our Mothman episodes because... He was the guy who investigated Mothman. Okay, so he got fingers in pies. Yeah, so you know, real credible source. Um, so he believed that Indrid Cold was a non-malevolent alien who came to Earth to help the human race and warn of future disasters. And it's, he does get linked to Mothman quite a lot. Um, it was They were around the same time... They were similar locations. John Keel had something to do with both of them. Um, And he stated that he, while he was investigating Mothman, he actually received multiple calls from Injured Cold. And the last one warned him to run away as there was a disaster coming soon. And this phone call came days before the collapse of the Silver Bridge, which is obviously the big thing that happens in the Mothman case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think he actually appears in the film The Mothman Prophecies as well, Indrid Cold. Oh, you get a you get a bit of a, a, a bit of a double creature feature. Yeah. yeah. So and I mean, you know, on TCC we love a bit of Mothman and his perky little We love Mothman. Booty. But yeah. So Booty. always gotta do a little head Pick nod up the Mothman. head nod to Mothman. Um Double M. Double M. So, obviously, there's quite a lot of sightings for the Smiling Mm -hmm. Man. I can't say for certain that all of them are like, these are definite sightings. Um, Like, it wasn't just something else. It wasn't just a man behaving erratically. Because that is what some people did think. Um, they were like, actually, is he a paranormal alien or is he just someone who's a bit of a creepy stalker, behaves erratically? Or is he just a bit unwell? Like... Yeah, um, because there are other stories. They weren't like long stories like that. It's just other people reported that they've seen him. Um, and one of the reports says he's creepy, he's clearly insane, he behaves erratically and he dances around randomly staring at the sky. Yeah, I don't love that. So. Yeah. So, but then I'm like, are these people all seeing one person? Because if it's an alien entity and he's already admitted that he's come with two other people, there's three of them. Yeah. So is... Plus, like, you can see, like, someone else who's just done well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, are you saying you've seen him? Are you saying, have you just seen someone who's got a big smile? Because some people just do have big smiley faces. 
Um, have yeah. you seen this entity? Also, how much of it is hoaxes? Like, if you hear that there's someone going around and you're a bit of a joker, what you could just draw a big smile on your face and dance around in, in the street and pretend to be a we cryptid. Don't know, but... Oh no! But around <laughs> that around that time, yeah, you exactly. can imagine it would have. I mean, it probably it definitely would still happen today. So this is a story from Reddit. It is someone who had an encounter with the Smiling Man, a.k.a. Indrid Cold. About five years ago, I lived downtown in a major city in the US. I've always been a night person, so I would often find myself bored after my roommate, who was decidedly not a night person, went to sleep. To pass the time, I used to go for long walks and spend time thinking. I spent four years like that, walking alone at night, and never once had a reason to feel afraid. I used to always joke with my roommate that even the drug dealers in the city were polite, but all of that changed in just a few minutes of one evening. It was a Wednesday, somewhere between one and two in the morning, and I was walking near a police-patrolled park, quite away from my apartment. It was a quiet night, even for a weeknight, with very little traffic and almost no one on foot. The park, as it was most nights, was completely empty. I turned down a short side street in order to loop back to my apartment when I first noticed him. At the far end of the street, on my side, was the silhouette of a man dancing. It was a strange dance, similar to a waltz, but he finished each box with an odd forward stride. I guess you could say he was dance walking, headed straight for me. Deciding he was probably drunk, I stepped as close as I could to the road to give him majority of the sidewalk to pass me by. The closer I got, the more I realised how gracefully he was moving. He was very tall and lanky and wearing an old suit. He danced closer still until I could make out his face. His eyes were open wide and wild head tilted back slightly, looking off at the sky. His mouth was formed in a painfully wide cartoon of a smile. Between the eyes and the smile, I decided to cross the street before he danced any closer. I took my eyes off him to cross the empty street. As I reached the other side, I glanced back and then stopped dead in my tracks. He had stopped dancing and he was standing with one foot in the street, perfectly parallel to me. He was facing me, but still looking skyward, smile still wide on his lips. I was completely and utterly unnerved by this, and started walking again, but kept my eyes on the man. He didn't move. Once I'd put about half a block between us, I turned away from him for a moment to watch the sidewalk in front of me. The street and the sidewalk ahead of me were completely empty. Still unnerved, I looked back at where he'd been standing to find him gone. For the briefest moment, I felt relieved until I noticed him. He had crossed the street and was now slightly crouched down. I couldn't tell for sure due to the distance and the shadows, but I was certain he was facing me. I had looked away from him for no more than 10 seconds, so it was clear that he had moved fast. I was so shocked that I stood there for some time staring at him and then he started moving towards me again 
he took giant, exaggerated, tiptoed steps, as if he were a cartoon character sneaking up on someone. Except he was moving very, very quickly. I'd like to say at this point I ran away, or pulled out my pepper spray, or my cell phone, or anything at all. But I didn't. I just stood there, completely frozen, as the smiling man crept towards me. And then he stopped again, about a car length away from me, still smiling his smile, still looking to the sky. When I finally found my voice, I blurted out the first thing that came to mind. What I meant to ask was, what the fuck do you want? In an angry, commanding tone. What came out was a whimper. What the fuck? Regardless of whether or not humans can smell fear, they can certainly hear it. I heard it in my own voice. And that only made me more afraid. He didn't react to it at all. He just stood there, smiling. And then, after what felt like forever, he turned around, very slowly, and started dance walking away. Just like that. Not wanting to turn my back to him again, I just watched him go. Until he was far enough away to be almost out of sight. And then I realised something. He wasn't moving away anymore. Nor was he dancing. I watched in horror as the distant shape of him grew larger and larger. He was coming back my way, and this time, he was running. I ran too. I ran until I was off the side road and back onto a better lit road with sparse traffic. Looking behind me, he was nowhere to be found. The rest of the way home, I kept glancing over my shoulder, always expecting to see his stupid smile, but he was never there. I lived in that city for six months after that night and I never went out for another walk. There was something about his face that always haunted me. He didn't look drunk, he didn't look high. He looked completely and utterly insane. And that's a very, very scary thing to see. Okay, well thank you for letting me know all about the smiling man. Yeah, he's a bit creepy. Um, have we got some ghost bread or have we... We can. So our last story is from Sam to finish our ghost sandwich. Are you ready? Yes. Hi there. Let me start by saying that I'm a sceptic and I don't really give much credence to ghosts. I think they make for good films but bad reality. That being said, my mama, my mama, my mother was always convinced that there was a ghost in our house when I was growing up. She lives in a 200-year-old terrace and refuses to get central heating, so it gets very cold in the winter. When I was three, I woke up screaming for help, and when my parents came to soothe me, they found a deep scratch on my back. They both agreed that it was a bed spring that had scratched my back. But when they put put me back in bed, they could see that the child's mattress I was lying on was 100% foam. Later, as an adult, I have stayed in the same room that is now my brother's, and there are noises that wake me up at night. When I experienced it too, we decided to look into our own house. And we found out that a young boy, no older than five, had died in our house by putting a metal prong through the socket in his room. His name was Peter Boone. This was the early 80s. Since then, my mother has ensured me that Peter has been very active at night, walking through the house, and he's been physically abused by his parents, receiving lashings when he steps out of line. It all made sense now but I just wish I could believe. Sent from Sam. Thank you, Sam. Um, okay, I feel really sorry for Peter. 
I feel like Peter needs to um like have be exercised so he can go towards the light because yeah, I, I don't feel like he's having a good time. I'm also really sorry that you experienced you know being scratched and everything. Mm. Um, but it sounds like you did come out okay. Yeah. But yeah. Put, please, please help Peter out. That doesn't sound nice. But yeah, that's all we've got for today. I'm really sorry if this seems rushed, but I have got my new job and I have two minutes to leave before I'm late. So I'm going to go. But everyone, stay safe and stay Stay spooky. Hey guys, if you have a ghost story or a case suggestion, please email us truecrimecovinpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at True Crime Coven or on Instagram and Facebook where we are at True Crime Coven Pod. Also, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could rate us wherever you're listening to this right now, be it Spotify, Apple Music, or if you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up, click that bell, get notifications every time we post. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Make these two witches smile. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, witches. witches. Sorry, Simon.